and welcome to the Answers for Cancers podcast. I am your host, Anne-Marie Fay, And I'm Michelle Matthews. Together with some of Ireland's leading experts, we want to unravel what it truly means to have cancer. From consultant diagnosis to treatment plans, from managing your symptoms to supports available, we have it covered. So whether you're a nurse working in oncology or have been personally affected by cancer, this podcast is for you. The Answers for Cancers podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Pharmacy. CarePlus Pharmacy is Ireland's leading community pharmacy brand, offering expert advice and services for a healthier and happier you. Find your nearest CarePlus on www.careplus.ie or follow them on social media for health and wellness inspiration and tips. Today on the podcast, I speak to Pat Halley. Pat Halley is the facilitator of the support group in Archives for Living with Secondary Cancer. Pat also lives with secondary cancer, so he knows how some of the people in the support group are feeling. I want to say a special thank you to Pat for joining me on the podcast today. It took a lot of courage to speak about his diagnosis and he also discusses the first time that he decided to knock on the door of our house to get some help. We speak about everything from what it's like living with secondary cancer, the fears of living with secondary cancer, to the friends that he's made along the way and the supports that he's received from the support group and also from our house. Um, I just really want to thank him for being so honest with me um, and I really hope that this podcast will help anybody who's listening who might need to reach out for some more support or who indeed is living with secondary cancer and feels that they could benefit from some some more support. Thank you so much, Pat. So, Pat Ali, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today to speak about the secondary cancer support group that's available here in our house. Um, and yeah, I just really want to thank you for joining me. As I said to you before we began this, this is my first podcast on my own without Anne-Marie. So it's a first for both of us. I know you haven't done a podcast before and I'm doing this alone today. So uh, what I might do is just start um, by saying, as you explained to me on the phone when we spoke um, a few weeks ago, it takes an awful lot of courage to knock on the door of ARC and I I just want to know, can you remember how you felt when you decided to knock on the door of ARC here? Um, yes, and uh, Michelle, and uh, I'd like to start by saying a big thank you to yourself and Anne-Marie for, for doing these podcasts. I only became aware of them a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, they look like a fantastic uh, resource to have and, and um, will increase people's understanding of lots of issues around cancer. Thanks, Pat. Um, well, Michelle, it, it's, uh, I'd had cancer for about four years before I finally reached the stage where I realised I needed, I couldn't do it, I couldn't cope with it, deal with it just by myself and uh, keeping medical appointments. That, that wasn't enough. I needed more help and support. And I'd become aware of ARC through... Uh, seeing some of their leaflets in 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 the in the martyr private um when i was going for treatment and scans and so on but um i was never actually uh none of the staff over there who are lovely and wonderful and very busy didn't none of them actually said look go to arc Mm. um this could be useful to you at the time but about four uh, i'd been four years down the road with cancer and I just I realized as as I say I couldn't uh, um, I couldn't carry on just dealing with it myself and I had to admit to myself that I I needed some help and I I thought I'd give Ark a try but I was quite nervous in fact I was extremely nervous um, knocking on the door of Ark for the first time I didn't know what was going on in here I did I didn't know um, what kind of a reception I would get I didn't know if it was for me 
or not for me. And by knocking on the door, I was admitting to myself that I needed help. Mm. And I don't know, I think it's something... I think it's a common thing with some men that, uh, you know, when they when they get cancer, they're going to deal with it themselves, you know, and they'll 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 be strong and they'll be positive and they'll they'll do the treatment and then hopefully they'll get into remission and then they'll um, uh, get over it and they'll cope with the side effects and they'll put it behind them and they'll get on with their lives. Their lives will be changed and their lives will be different, but they'll get on with it. And it'll be a memory. Um, but for me, that wasn't the case. And um, it was it was actually, I knew I was struggling a bit. And it was actually when a, a very close pal of mine died. That was the final thing that made me realise, oh God, look, you can't, you can't just keep struggling here. There is help available. I need help and just knock on the door and see what happens. Yeah. And when I did, a, a, a lovely volunteer answered the door, a lovely lady, made me very welcome. I, I stepped inside the door and I stepped into this beautiful house here. And the first thing that struck me was, this isn't a medical setting at mm -hmm. all. I'd been so used to, for the previous few years, going in and out of hospitals and uh, visiting consultants and this wasn't a medical setting this was a lovely comfortable it was like a home mm. and uh, everyone was so welcoming and uh, the cup of tea was readily available and the biscuits too many biscuits in <laughs> fact um, you have to cut down on the biscuits after a while when you come to Ark. They're, they're too tempting. You're coming over and, to us to do your I'm, weight then. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're told to watch your weight, uh, especially with cancer. Yeah. And uh, and uh, it, it's a challenge to do that when all these nice biscuits and sometimes even cakes appear. Yeah. So, so I came in, uh, still a bit confused. And this uh, lovely volunteer, she... Chicks. I, I told her a bit of my story and she listened very carefully. And I think that's the first thing that people in art do is listen. Mm -hmm. They don't ask lots of questions. They listen to what you have to say. And it, it's a great opportunity then to just speak insofar as you're comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. And they make you as comfortable as possible. And it's done quietly, privately, and you, you know, there's nice music playing in the background, and uh, you're in this lovely kind of large living room here uh, that we're doing the recording in now. And um, she uh, explained to me the range of services that were available at that time in ARC, mm -hmm. and they've expanded enormously since, as I, I know. Um, um, Yvonne, the Director of Services, was on a previous podcast and she uh, described the wide range of services at the moment. So at that time she explained that I'd started with prostate cancer and uh, she explained that um, there was a prostate course uh, going to start in a couple of weeks' time and perhaps I might consider uh, starting, uh, dipping my toe in the water with the ARC services by... Um, 
joining that course. There were places available. And I thought, oh, well, look, I've gone beyond prostate cancer at this stage. I started with prostate cancer and I'd have had a bit of a roller coaster ride where I'd, I'd had surgery and I thought everything was grand for about six months. And then this dreaded PSA level went up again. And then I'd had some radiotherapy. And again, everything seemed to be grand for about another six months. But the PSA level went up again. And um, I had to go abroad to have a special scan. I had to go to Heidelberg at that time. Now, that, that scan is available in Ireland now, mm-hmm. which is just a little example of uh, the continuous development of uh, treatments and services in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I know Tommy Gorman is on television now uh, uh, talking about his 20-year journey with cancer and yeah. he's going to be describing... Uh, how services in Ireland have developed over the years. But anyway, to come back to myself, um, it was only after a couple of years I was given a diagnosis of secondary cancer. And you're, you're told then that, you know, you're given that, uh, you're told that phrase, uh, well, we can't cure you, mm-hmm. but we can treat you. So that's the position you're in. And so... Uh, she said uh, this the the volunteer said um, I'm struggling to remember her name but it might come back to me in a minute Um, um, even though I'd moved on as it were and had secondary cancer I I was a few years down the road and she said look the people on the prostate course some people have only just been diagnosed some people are uh, deciding have a choice of treatments. Some people are uh, facing into uh, starting their treatment or maybe have had some treatment, some surgery possibly, um, and uh, they're looking for support. Or other people like myself are a few years down the road. So it's good to have a mix. Mm. So that's my first uh, uh, time I came in. I left ARC after about I don't know how long it was the time seemed to fly Mm. and I just thought god what a great place and why didn't I come here you know years before but I was so busy just a trying to make up my mind would I have what kind of surgery would I have what kind of treatment I had some choices sometimes people of cancer don't have any choice Mm. it's either you know have treatment uh or not that's the basic choice but I had a choice in the treatments and um, and then you're going for these appointments and various tests and scans and you're doing that you're doing all the medical stuff and then you're trying to cope with the side effects and you're uh, dealing with your family your partner uh, children possibly um, your work, if if you're still in work, I was at that time, and you've all this going on, but ARC is actually a time when you you knock on the doors. It, you're doing something for yourself. Yeah. You're putting, you're making a choice to to say, look, it's I, I've been I try to you know be positive and do all these other things and keep going, but I just need to ask for help and and in do something for myself by knocking on the door. So it was a lot of mixed emotions knocking on the door. And I had very different emotions when I left that day. And I thought, right, 
I'd give this a try and see what happens. And um, I haven't looked back since. I've been involved in ARC in various ways since then. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can definitely sympathise and understand with how you were feeling at the time because I think sometimes up until you get a cancer diagnosis, you've never had to think of yourself before. Like you said, you're working or you're thinking of the family and you're just going all the time. You've never had to put yourself first. So I think, you know, if one person listening can uh, pick up the phone because of what you're saying, this is great, Pat. So thank you so much. Um, I might just ask you a little bit about um, your role in ARC. So I know you've said you've been involved in ARC ever since. I might just ask a little bit about your role in ARC now. Well, I am a, I'm, I'm a, a client uh, in ARC, availing of different services. Um, but a client is a kind of a, mm. a professional kind of word. It's, I've become part of the ARC family. Yeah. It's like a big family in here and uh, people are so friendly and they're all looking out for each other the um, the staff the professional staff the volunteers the um, the users the service users um, are all so helpful to each other so I'm a member of ARC's family first of all and um, I joined following the prostate course which was fantastic it, may, it, it gave me an opportunity. It was a group of men brought together with an excellent facilitator and, and, and expert speakers brought in um, each week, spread over about seven or eight weeks, um, to talk on particular relevant topics. Um, you think you get a group of men together and uh, everyone's going to be looking at each other and, <laughs> you know, who's going to actually say anything? But once... Once we just settled in, in that first 10, 15 minutes, um, and we realized we were in a safe space and this was confidential and you couldn't stop people talking. Mm. And um, people had a lot to say and they were very willing to share honestly and openly and very and listen as well it's about talking and listen listening we were listening in a very respectful way to each other and and valuing each other's um opinions and experiences because we were all the same in one sense but we were different as well we all had our different uh stories our different journeys so following that course which was excellent i um, it was suggested I might like to join um, um, the secondary support group in ARC. And uh, so I did that. And the secondary support group had grown out of a previous course that ARC had run mm. um, a few years before and for people with secondary cancer. And um, a number of people on that course had enjoyed the... Uh, the course so much and the, the, the sort of friendships and camaraderie that had been built up during that course that they wanted to keep meeting and ARC facilitated that a monthly meeting of the secondary cancer support group was started <laughs> and um, so I joined that group and I was made very welcome again you go into a group setting this is back in the days when we used to meet face to face yeah. as opposed to doing everything over zoom at the moment and hopefully it won't be t 
too much longer than when we will meet face to face again. Yeah. But um, I was made very welcome, and um, in those, this is two and a half years ago, and uh, most of the group at that time uh, that met in Eccles Street were about three quarters women, one quarter men, and there was various kinds of uh, uh, cancers involved. Uh, some people had been thrown in the deep end. Their first diagnosis of cancer was secondary cancer, mm. straight in the deep end. Um, it was in two or three parts of their body. And others had um, a, uh, a, a, a primary cancer many years ago, a decade, 15 years ago. And uh, they'd, it, that had been dealt with at that time and a cancer had returned to them maybe a year or two previously. And um, so they, they had, uh, their cancer had spread or metastasized and uh, they were now in the secondary group as well. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a mix there. And again, lots of differences, but some common issues and themes as well. And um, lots of talking, lots of uh, listening and lots of active listening lots of empathy and um, a lot of fun too and that sounds mad I used to go home and tell my wife we had a great laugh at the secondary <laughs> meeting today she'd say you're mad <laughs> um, when, I, when I joined the group she said you're mad anyway because she said why do you want to sit around with lots of other people with secondary cancer who what do you I mean you, aren't you better off going for a walk or something or, you know, trying to meet up with a few people who uh, don't have cancer at all? Mm. And I said, well, that's important too, but it's not an either or. You can do both. True. And yeah. uh, I'm just going to give this a try and see what happens. And um, yes, we used to have, a, you know, at, at every meeting, at, every me at almost every meeting, there'd be some tears and there'd be some laughter as well. And I don't know if it's a thing with people with secondary cancer, but many of us seems to have, seem to have developed a, a sort of a, a black sense of humour. So that the, the slagging that goes on, and <laughs> you know, oh, um, but it's we're serious when we need to be serious, and and people are allowed in the group to be themselves. There's no pretending. There's no. Um, trying to be strong for everyone else around you. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to be positive all the time. If you're feeling bad, you can you can just say that. You can just be yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're crying, you're crying. And if you're laughing, you're laughing. And people, members of the group will cry with you and laugh with you. Um, and people can just completely be themselves in the group. So it's about, uh, after a few meetings, the, the, the um, people that had facilitated the group right from its beginning stepped back for a while because it, it, um, facilitating can be, uh, can be challenging. And... Uh, um, I was asked, would, would I try facilitating the group? And I said I would. 
and um, I've been trying to do that for the last two and a half years to the best of my ability and uh, ARCA supported me and uh, as it supports facilitators and volunteers um, to, uh, to, to do uh, our um, to play our role as best as we can. Brilliant, Pat. And I was going to ask, but it, I think you've actually kind of answered it really. Um, at what stage of a person's diagnosis can they join the group? But you've you've answered that really. Yes, anyone with a, a diagnosis of secondary cancer mm-hmm. is welcome to come to that particular group. Great. And um, as I say, it, it, uh, people come with, with from very different uh some people have been on the cancer road for many, many years, mm. and others have had secondary cancer for several years too. Um, people, are, uh, some people describe the, uh, a diagnosis of cancer, primary cancer, twenty, thirty, forty years ago was 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 like um, uh, a diagnosis of death, really. That you you know you're going to die, and to a great extent, that's gone now, mm-hmm. and, and that's marvellous. But secondary cancer can still be a little bit like that. P- people can feel that, oh, God, you know, okay, I had breast cancer or stomach cancer or, you know, t- testicular cancer or whatever it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and now it's come back to haunt me again, mm-hmm. and it's spread um, to the lungs or the bones or the, or the brain or whatever. So I'm a goner. You know, I don't have long. And people have spoken about, you know, the shock, uh, the trauma of getting the diagnosis of secondary cancer. And people have spoken about going home and and starting to put their affairs in order and, you know, starting to make the will and starting to tidy up the wardrobe so somebody wouldn't find all the bits and pieces they've been hanging on to for years. They don't fit them any longer when the, when the wardrobe's being cleaned out. The people have spoken about do it, reacting in this way, which is perfectly normal. But we, we have people in the group with secondary cancer who've been living as best as they can with their secondary cancer for many years. Yeah. So I think one of the things newcomers can, can realise is that, hey, look, it's not the end. It's just a, a different way of of a, a, a different challenge now it's 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 um i have to you're being challenged to kind of reinvent yourself to live as well as you can every day with secondary cancer and live the best life you can day by day and that's uh, a lot of people speak about doing that they take each day as it comes they plan they don't plan too much for the future a little bit um but they just enjoy every day, try and make the best of every day, try and find joy every day. That's not always possible. There are bad days, there are bad weeks. Um, people come to the group sometimes with bad, haven't received bad news mm-hmm. or good news. So it's a mix of both of those, uh, but it's a safe place for, for people to come and just be with others. You don't have to explain yourself. Everyone in the group gets it. So there's no explanation as to why you feel this way or why you reacted that way. Um, It's accepted that you you did. And the group 
in in supporting each other we're giving each other um hope and we're giving each other um friendship as well because the group it's a very it, 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 many members of the group form friendships uh, close friendships outside the group yeah as well it 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 meets once a, a month and since the pandemic of course it's been meeting uh via zoom and some members of the group didn't transition to zoom and an awak and has been supporting them in other ways and we look forward to seeing them when the face to face meetings start again uh but zoom has also allowed people with secondary cancer in different parts of the country to join in a meeting of course yeah and it's allowed people perhaps who weren't feeling well enough to travel into dublin to come to the meeting to still participate in the meeting mm-hmm. we'll get back to that conversation in just a minute i just want to take a moment to talk to you about hay fever something that i have suffered with for many years now are you concerned about the overlap of symptoms between hay fever and covid19 did you know that you can contact your local CarePlus pharmacist over the phone for advice on how to distinguish between the two and for recommendations on the best over-the-counter treatments for your allergies? You can also check out our helpful guide on CarePlus website, which is careplus.ie, that shows which symptoms come under which condition. Now back to our conversation. Brilliant. And I imagine there is an element of comfort knowing that the people that you're speaking to in the support group in some way can understand how you're feeling and what you're going through because i think sometimes you know even as healthcare professionals we don't know what the patient is feeling and what the person going through it is feeling in the same way that your partner or your kids or friends don't really know how you're feeling so i imagine there is a comfort in um in speaking to people who do actually understand how you're feeling yes it's been described as um you know if when you for people who settle into the group and 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 i i always advise people look give it a chance mm. give it a couple of meetings mm. you don't have to join in every meeting mm. you know you you may not feel like it the second time uh, or you may have an appointment or you may have other things to do that's that's fine but try and be a reg- fairly regular partic- mm. participant you're not sort of attending a meeting. You're participating in a meeting. Yeah. It's not my meeting or somebody else's meeting. It's our meeting. And it's the participants that make the meeting. <laughs> and it's just a unique opportunity for people to, to, to be themselves because we we do know there there are people there who know what people are going th- through and have 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 been there and uh, you know have worn worn the t- arc t-shirt as well and uh, they understand absolutely and i hope this is an okay question to ask pat but um we were speaking about it over the phone and um, last week when we were talking and i think it's important to, uh, to address what sometimes is the elephant in the room and sometimes you do lose members of the support group and um, could you just talk me a little bit through that and then is there extra supports available for people who are who are in the group and have possibly gotten very close to members in the group who do pass away uh yes michelle the um the group is very real about its situation. 
Uh, we have secondary cancer and we're not trying to make light of that. Mm-hmm. And when people are diagnosed with primary cancer, um, thanks be to God that there's wonderful treatments out there and um, it's possible for people to live long, happy lives way, way beyond their experience of cancer, which hopefully would only last a year or two or three. And then they're going to lead uh, post-cancer lives mm-hmm. and they will die of other things in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas people with secondary cancer, um, the chances are you will die of your cancer um, rather than die with it mm-hmm. or die having had cancer 10, 20 years before. So um, that's the reality. And it's 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 not, I mean, we're the kind of club that nobody wants to join. <laughs> but we're put in that situation and... We're, when we do join it, we're glad we joined it. Absolutely. Um, we do lose members from time to time. That kind of goes with the territory. And it's a, uh, it's a blow to all the other members. And uh, particularly when a, a person's been there for a long time mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you've got to know them very well. And um, before the pandemic, people, uh, members of the group would attend funerals and we would um, process this loss as, as a group. And um, since the pandemic, at various stages, it's, it's at most of the time, it hasn't been possible to go to funerals. Um, Sometimes it's possible for a few people living in the locality to perhaps stand stand outside in the church car park to pay their respects. The group, uh, you know, I sent flowers sometimes where that's acceptable to the to, to the family of the uh, of the person who's passed away. Um, and Arca supported us in a number of ways. We've, we've, we 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 have um, perhaps an extra meeting um, where. We remember uh, the person who's who who we've lost, and um, our meetings, by the way, uh, are supported by um, um, a, um, a psychologist, and um, she helps us uh, to ground ourselves at the beginning of the meeting, and um, just uh, is there sort of in the background of the meeting, supporting the meeting. And she, on Zoom, another advantage of Zoom is she might send me a message saying so-and-so hasn't spoken for a while. Or, because one of my aims is, you know, I, I give everyone the opportunity to speak and then see how people are and check in and so on. Then after that, then it can be a little bit of a free-for-all, but it, it's quite hard on Zoom sometimes, particularly when you've got a lot of people to just see somebody trying to get in and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, the support, that level of support during the meetings are very important. And then in the, we're having an extra meeting shortly now actually because we lost a, a very dear friend and member of the group recently. Sorry to hear that. And um, they had contributed, like, like others that, that have passed away over the last few years, they had contributed so much to the group. 
and uh, to new members in particular and then new members you know take on the baton it's like a, re a never-ending relay race we're passing on this baton to to others who will help others into the future um so it is a very difficult time and we don't try and pretend that that's not going to happen because we have to be real uh, and um, it, we're not just kind of pretending that people sometimes sort of say oh you look great you know it'll be all right and so on but uh, we know that uh, the chances are that at some stage or other we will die with our cancer we'll die uh, we'll die of our cancer but we're living our lives uh, to the best we can in the meantime. And p members of the group avail of lots of other services in ARC. And, uh, you know, reflexology is not running at the moment, but that was a very popular one uh, pre-pandemic. And uh, relaxation classes, stress management courses, talks and so on. And there's also counselling, always available. So people might need some counselling at a particularly difficult time. And the loss of a member of the group can be can be one of those times. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really sorry to hear about the loss of your friend, Pat. But thank you so much for being so honest. Um, I know it's, it's never an easy conversation to have, but I really appreciate you being so honest and talking to me about that. Thank you. Oh, actually, one thing I did want to check is, so it's mixed, isn't it? It's male and female members of the group. Yes, yeah. it's it's open to both male and female, and it's just my involvement in the last two and a half years. It's it's usually about three quarters female, one quarter male, but mm -hmm. it varies. And um, the uh, the um, so it, it, it's open to both men and women. Um, why is it mainly female? I suppose it's women help each other or reach out for help a lot more readily than men <laughs> and uh, why don't men do that well you know we touched on that a little bit earlier and maybe yeah. that might be the topic of another podcast at some stage or other Absolutely. you know how, how to get men to uh, reach out for help I felt myself you know at, at, at some of the, uh, the early meetings that it was a little bit must be a little bit like attending Alcoholics Anonymous or something, you know, I'm Pat and I've got cancer. <laughs> you're admitting that you're not in control of everything anymore. Mm -hmm. And you've got to sort of give that, you know, you're giving away that control Absolutely. to others. Now, you still have a lot of influence and you have choices to make sometimes. I'm just reading Edith Eager's book, uh, choices mm. some of the listeners may have heard of that and you, you you can choose to respond this way or that way to a lot of situations and uh, um, how we respond can can influence uh, uh, how we live the rest of our lives yeah and I do definitely think some people listening past listening to you speak this might be the the thing that gets them to to pick up the phone you know and maybe it will be what makes more men reach out for help and um, something i wanted to say to you was when we were chatting on the phone last week you mentioned how how certain members of the group can feel when people say the wrong thing like it's going to be okay or like you mentioned earlier oh you look great it's fine have you any advice for people listening who are trying to offer support for people with secondary cancer who maybe just just don't know what to say well, first of all, that uh, people with secondary cancer 
often understand that they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a bereavement situation. And and the person with secondary cancer is still living there, standing there in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you bump into a friend or, you, you know, uh, a neighbor or a work colleague or something like that. They don't know what to say to you. Um, people, uh, you need to say very little. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and the best thing to do is listen. Yeah. And just, just ask, you know, how, how are you doing? And then leave it up to the person with the secondary cancer. People with secondary cancer often understand, and, and we talk about this in the group from time to time, and it comes up in, 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 other, in other courses and, and talks um, put on by ARC, that... Um, People with secondary cancer understand that uh, people don't know what to say when you bump into somebody. And it's best just to ask a simple, open-ended question like, Hi, how are you doing? And then let the person with secondary cancer decide how to respond. They may say, I'm not too bad, and leave it at that. Or, I'm not great today, actually. Or, I'm doing okay this week. But I wasn't great last week, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Um, they can decide how much or how little to say in response. And just listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't make any value judgments. Try not to sort of say, well, you're, you know, you're looking well. Or, uh, or my friend Tommy had that. And Shahib was okay after a while. This this kind of comments don't help. Yeah. Or, um, oh, I read in the paper, you know, there's a new cure for that. Or um, there was something on the television about that. And you should, you should take this or you should, don't start giving people advice. Don't start mentioning other people. Mm. Um, just, just that, say, how are you doing? And leave it at that and listen. And and wish them well, and leave it at that, and talk, and then move on to talk about something else if the conversation is going to carry on. Yeah. You know, um, the person with cancer, or we're talking specifically about secondary cancer. That that's that's one of the issues that they have. I mean, sometimes how when you get a diagnosis of cancer or secondary cancer, how do you tell others? sometimes you're on your own when you get that diagnosis particularly during these pandemic days um or you may be with a, a partner or a friend um how do you tell others how do you tell who do you tell when do you tell them and how do you tell them and what to say that can be a challenge for people with cancer and um as well as how do you respond to people who the word gets out, mm. you know, so-and-so, you've got cancer. And people either shy away from you or some people are kind of rushing towards you, wanting to know details or wanting to commiserate and wanting to, you know, suggest treatments, as I mentioned a while ago. Mm. Um, people with cancer have to, uh, have to deal with these issues and and they're quite difficult at times and uh, as i say th- th- 
we talk about it in the group and it, it is also uh, they all there are also topics um that come up in courses there's a course that art does called living well with secondary cancer i think it's called and uh, during that course one of the uh, people brought in um talks about communication and how to communicate with uh those close to you and those you know a little bit further away and a little bit further away and how to handle these kind of situations so it, that can be a challenge to people with cancer sometimes particularly if you happen to be looking well yeah uh, it's almost as though they don't believe you you know you can't have secondary cancer look at you you know you're looking grand you're looking better than yourself <laughs> Absolutely. We've heard patients with secondary cancer have said have said that they're afraid of joining some of the support groups as their experience is different to people who um, are possibly going to be cancer free. Now, what? Oh, yeah. And that their fears are different. So I suppose do you do you speak about those fears? And I know you've, you've kind of touched off that already. Well, yes, we do. And, and that's uh, that's that's part of the reason why it's, it's very important to have a separate support group for yeah. people with secondary cancer um as i say in our as far as i'm aware it's only been in existence about four years this support group but um because other support groups uh, people can have treatment and move on yeah and um whereas with secondary cancer there's no cure you're going to be living with this and your 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 life part of your life is going to be um, treatments, checkups, scans, visits to hospitals, um, treatments are working, after a while treatments are not working, you're looking for a new treatment plan, it's the roller coaster, it's all the ups and downs, which is very different from um, people with 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 a, a primary cancer many of whom as i say will 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 um will be cured and um so the issues and and fears and uh, and and hopes and expectations are different so it's it's great to have a separate group but some of the secondary group are also in they, they you you can also be in you can be in more than one support group you can be in the men's open group mm. Uh, if you wish, or you you could even there, there's a men's um, prostate group. Mm -hmm. You you could be in that group as well if you wish. Okay, and I'd love to know a little bit more about those support groups, Pat. Do you mind touching on them a little bit for well, me? Well, the men's open group is um, uh, it's it, it's for men who have uh, different kinds of cancer, and um, I joined that group around the same time as I joined the secondary group, and. Uh, um, again, after a few meetings, I was asked, "Would I would I facilitate it?" The facilitator that was coming over from the south side just to reboot the group because I think it had kind of um, uh, collapsed a little bit, so it was it was just getting restarted. Um, they stepped back and and I stepped in again. It sounds like Lanigan's ball, doesn't it? <laughs> Whatever that thing is. Um, so I, I'm trying to facilitate that group as well. Now, that, the men's open support group is, is, is very different to the secondary group. Mm. Um, a couple of us have secondary cancer, but most don't. Mm. 
and um, uh, some are prostate cancer and and then there's you know uh, testicular cancer bone cancer you name it it's in the group and the group is a lot more fluid um, because people are maybe they've been recently diagnosed and they just find it extremely helpful to to talk to fellas who are a few years further down the road and they can they can see a life beyond this diagnosis and immediate treatment that they're having this surgery or whatever it is radio radiotherapy and th that it's good to mix with with people that 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 can that are five or ten years down the road with the cancer and are, are cancer free and have been cancer free for years mm -hmm. but who are willing to continue on in a group like that just to give something back mm -hmm. people you know people in that group who who are cured of their cancer often want to do something you know they, they get into fundraising or they get into uh, uh, trying to help others and one way of helping others is to stay with it or join a support group in, indeed and just help people that are only starting out on that journey mm -hmm. um, the prostate group is a specific group and I think you, you, you're you're thinking of having a, a a podcast with that particular group as well so that's just focusing specifically on prostate cancer mm -hmm. and all the various issues around that mm -hmm. and um, it, it works in a similar way monthly meetings via zoom and uh, people talk about everything and anything and it's a very safe place and uh, I'm not in it myself um, but I could be if I wanted to be yeah. and um, uh, talk about all the different issues uh, that uh, that affect men, um, ongoing issues very often mm -hmm. um, because of the, they've they've had prostate cancer. Like you said, men just aren't as good sometimes as opening up about that. So it's good to have support groups where they can they can speak freely and confidentiality as well. Like you said, is so important. Yes, confidentiality is important, and and it's a safe place, and. People develop trust. They trust each other. Um, this, this, this is a bit more challenging in some ways with Zoom, uh, you know, rather than face-to-face -face meetings. Mm. Uh, like all face-to-face -face meetings, people would turn up early and they'd be chatting to each other over a cup of tea and all this, and, and then come into the room and, you know, the meeting would start. And uh, we don't have an agenda at the meeting. It's, you know, there isn't a chairperson. There's nobody taking notes. It's not being um, recorded in any way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, the meeting would flow after. You know, so we go round the table, see how everyone is, and just see what the issues are. Um, and uh, and after the meeting then there'd be the opportunity for people to have a little natter maybe some something somebody said uh, caught somebody's attention mm -hmm. and after the meeting you know uh, they didn't want to delve into it that level of detail during the meeting but they, they, they get an opportunity to have a little one-to-one -one chat after the meeting or you know are you free for a coffee or something like this and people do that yeah. um, it, that's not possible in, in, in Zoom, but uh, uh, when we get back to the face-to-face -face meetings, hopefully that kind of uh, support will be available. But um, yes, men men do talk, <laughs> and uh, when when in the right setting, with the right opportunity, and a, a bit of support, 
um, and uh, sometimes it's hard to get them to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Thanks for listening to the Answers for Cancers podcast. Please share this podcast with anybody who you think it might help. Also, if you can like and subscribe, it lets people know we're here. You can alternatively contact us on Instagram at the Answers for Cancers underscore podcast. And if you have any questions on anything that we discussed today, please email us at the Answers for Cancers podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram.